Welcome to the Today I Learned podcast hosted at Desi Pradesi. Desi Pradesi is a Discord server where South Asian people from all over the world come together and connect. This podcast will be focusing on topics that are interesting and thought-provoking. Other than live on the Discord server, you can find this podcast streaming across all major platforms on Instagram and on Clubhouse. My name is Amal and I am Punjabi Pakistani, currently living in Toronto, Canada, and I'm excited to be one of your hosts tonight. My name is Jamil. I'm Palestinian. Uh, I'm currently based within uh, Austin, Texas, in the United States, and I'm glad to be here and talk more about the subject tonight. And our topic today is going to explore being ethnically diverse and being Muslim in North America. So Jamil, you actually mentioned that you grew up in America, and of course you are of Palestinian heritage. You know, I'm really curious to know, what was it like growing up? Definitely. Um, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. There wasn't a lot of Palestinians in my particular suburb. So, I mean, there was not really a, a per se connection that I can make with my peers growing up and uh, my community and whatnot. You know, I personally can relate to that as well. I moved to Canada when I was about 10 years old and and we moved to a pretty small town. And that is where I've majorly grown up. And I would um, say that there was certainly diversity. So, you know, of course, I definitely had like Ukrainian friends that still kept up with the culture and Italian friends and a lot of British and Scottish immigrants in that particular place. But it was absolutely similar for me as well. When I first moved there, I remember being asked, where are you from? And then I was like, oh, well, I'm from Pakistan. And they're like, wait, is that in Africa? (laughs) And it wasn't really coming from a, you know, mean place, but it was just not something that people there would actually know about Pakistan. So it was very interesting growing up there. Did you have anything weird like that growing up where you had to kind of explain from scratch that you were Palestinian and what that meant? Uh, So the concept of me being Palestinian didn't really arrive for me until later on in life. I think I was about like 12 or 13 when I, I truly learned that like what it meant to be a Palestinian. In America, when I was younger, uh, especially I knew I looked different than other kids, um, but I, I kind of just chalked that up to, you know, how different kids would look, you know, at the time. Um, you know, I never really delved into it, um, but it, yeah, I never really, it didn't come up in my family discussions, you know, that we were Palestinian. All I knew was that we spoke Arabic uh, at home, uh, we were Muslim, and that's it. And that, I, I mean, I guess like that, that's a problem, right? Because I was so far separated from that Palestinian community uh, that, you know, other groups enjoy in America that, you know, they could connect and stay within their culture. And I was the completely separate from it, you know? And so I was almost like, kind of like, you know, I was in between two categories. I didn't fit in with the white people and I didn't fit in with the, you know, fully fledged Arabs that were, you know, sticking within their own communities that had the same culture and they preserved it all the way in America, which was something that I always found myself kind of in between, you know, um, you know, in between the two sides. So it's really, it's really definitely an odd experience. And there's so much of what you're saying that, you know, I can relate to. And I guess in some weird way, I also felt a bit disconnected because, you know, in terms of like keeping up with traditions and keeping up with the culture, you know, you actually said that, you felt disconnected from people that had maintained the culture in America because we had 
absolutely maintained our culture. But then for me to even connect with my first cousins, it was tough because their mother languages were different than mine. Um, and so then we would just land on English to be able to communicate and kind of do a little bit of a mishmash of all of our cultures together to uh, have that inclusivity. So it's very funny how there's a duality in our experiences, but it has led to feeling the same where maybe we didn't actually get that uh, super cultural education directly from our families growing up. That leads me to my question of were there any traditions or anything that you can think of growing up that actually you remember as connecting with the Palestinian side? Definitely. Um I mean, one of the one of the ways that uh, growing up, I remember, you know, being more Palestinian was uh, obviously the weddings. Um, Palestinian weddings go crazy and they go all night. So just the loud music, um, the Palestinian food and all that stuff So that that allowed me to kind of get like a little bit more in depth with my culture and whatnot, you know, meet different Palestinians and whatnot. But, um, you know, we would celebrate Eid and all that stuff. And, you know, we do it in a special way every year where we kind of have, you know, um, you know r- little remembrances of our culture uh, included in that. Um, I'd say that one of the ways that we definitely connected with Palestine or being Palestinian more was when I got my car. And when I got my car, I was free to explore, you know, all of Chicago, all of, you know, wherever I wanted to go. And I was introduced to this whole new world. I got to meet, you know, Palestinians in different parts of the community, you know, I would go hang out at, you know, the hookah bars or the restaurants and, you know, get to see what they were doing, get to see what, what kind of culture they had and what kind of culture they're bringing to the table and just kind of see, like, determine for myself, like, like, you know, what is it that they're doing so I could, you know, incorporate that in my life and whatnot. Similar to how your exposure changed when you got a car, for me, it was when I started university. Um, and I, to be completely honest, found it a little bit difficult to fit in. And I will definitely share a little bit more of my experience, but I'm just curious that, you know, when you actually started meeting more people that, that actually were Palestinian, how was your experience fitting in? You know, being Palestinian in America, it's definitely a, you know, it's an odd situation, right? Nobody really knows who we are. People kind of look at us like we're outsiders and whatnot. So the Palestinian community by default is very tight knit. So when I started meeting all these Palestinians and, you know, I didn't grow up in the same neighborhoods as they did. Uh, You know, I didn't grow up speaking the way they did. I didn't learn, you know, their traditions and how they, you know, upheld themselves in their communities and their spaces and whatnot. So definitely when I, you know, when I'd go and meet them and, you know, find out new places to meet more Palestinians that there was always this kind of sense of hesitation you know, like, hey, who is this guy? Has anybody ever heard of him? You know, who, where did he come from? You know, who, who is he? And, you know, it, it's, it's very, def- it's definitely off-putting. Uh, you know, there have been times when I'm like, you know, man, I don't even want to be Palestinian anymore. You know, wh- why can't I connect with my culture and all that stuff? So, uh, but, you know, you, you learn to take the good with the bad and, you know, you just keep on pushing through it and see, you know, the brighter side of the culture. I mean, definitely once you get to talk to a Palestinian, you know, and, and get more engaged with them, you know, they start to remember you, you know, start to include you in things, invite you to events and, you know, get invited to, 
different kind of uh, activities around the community. And it's definitely a very interesting experience. But again, like you said, um, when you were in uni, uh, you kind of felt a little bit disconnected, a little bit, you know, like you didn't fit in. Um, same experience here. I went to uni in Texas. Uh, you know, never really felt like I fit in in a single, you know, definitive category within the Palestinian community, which it feels a little bit, you know, generic to say. But um, you know, again, meeting Palestinians across the country, you know, I, I got I'm I'm very lucky to have met them both in, you know, Houston and in Chicago. Um, they they've been great to me. They've been really you know welcoming and whatnot. Definitely more a great experience in Houston rather than Chicago, where it's kind of just me finding different places to go meet them at and, you know, kind of just dropping myself within their space and whatnot. That is so nice to hear. I mean, I'm so happy to hear that you actually were able to kind of just connect and build those relationships uh, as you progress through your education. You know, if I'm being completely honest, I think I was just struggling at that time to kind of figure out what my identity even was, right? So I mean, like growing up, um, there's so many different groups that you associate yourself with. And um, because I didn't fit neatly into any of those categories, I always felt that a part of me always felt that I would have to give up a part of myself to be able to fit in, right? Um, which I think looking back was just maybe my um, hesitation to actually, uh, you know, spend time in those spaces and actually really get to know those spaces and more about the people in those spaces. But, but at that time, I do remember kind of just feeling a little bit hesitant to actually only hang out with the Muslim Students Association people because I felt like, okay, well, I'm not that good of a Muslim, to be honest. And then to only hang out with the, the Pakistani uh, Association people because there were a lot of things that we didn't jive with. And I wouldn't say that I got made fun of, um, but let's just say that, you know, whatever was lacking in terms of the culture um, and, and, you know, how I presented myself and how I spoke, um, it was almost always pointed out. And so I definitely felt like, you know, it is tough for me to kind of belong where I definitely feel that I don't belong. To just bring it back to what I was saying, it, it was definitely a little bit or or a lot of me at that time not being able to figure out what all the different parts of me were. Um, and then also just how to actually build relationships in, in all those little segments, because you know, another thing, um, which is a bit of a tangent, but that's what we do here, um, is that some, you, you know, when you're the new kid, uh, often, which in my case I was, or when you actually have a lot of, like, when you might have a culture that is different at home and different at school, you, you do tend to do something called code switching. And I definitely found that because I had been code switching for so long, it was a bit difficult to kind of turn it off and it was a bit difficult to figure out how to act or how to be so unfortunately for me i just could not take a lot of advantage of uh that at that time it was just i definitely had a feeling of i'm you know neither here nor there and i don't really fit in anywhere exactly i mean i relate to that so much because i still do it actually in terms of like code switching like 
would it would it for you would it happen when you would hang out with like your Daisy friends or like your Pakistani friends or would it happen more kind of just like you know you know being around Pakistani people you know eating at Pakistani restaurants you know shopping at Pakistani stores how how would it work for you I was never really embarrassed of being South Asian or or of my culture I was in, I was actually the opposite I I I was really proud of it in high school and I used to feel really sad if because I didn't really have anyone to talk about Bollywood with or um talk about the food with or 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 if on a particular weekend someone got married and then all those like traditions that we do I didn't really know how to explain it to my friends and sometimes it actually felt so exhausting to kind of just start from the beginning and be like okay well you know in our culture we have to do this whatever 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 um i used to crave just being able to meet people that would just understand what that was but then the same time um it was also a little bit like it it was just i wanted to be desi but i also wanted to fit in so there was like a duality in that experience a little bit where i just you know especially if i was going to restaurants or whatever i would always find myself kind of comparing and then especially when i was really really young if my mom wanted to wear like cultural clothes out i'd be like no why that's so weird please please don't do that please don't do that because my um you know extended family would actually do that and they would go to Walmart and like their cultural clothes and i'd be like that's so weird please don't do that mom <laughs> like you know but uh now having grown up uh and kind of being a lot more confident i myself have certainly like like you know on the way to like a wedding or something hopped in to like the grocery store to buy like flowers or to buy a card and like full desi outfit so i think it's just kind of like when you're growing up you're just learning so much about yourself right um and i and there was that duality where i really missed having that desi connection but at the same time i just wanted to like fit in as well so when i when i was in high school you know like i said before i was one of five arab kids in my high school and you know the arab kids that i went to high school with they were definitely a little bit more arab and you know i wasn't really 100% friends with them because i wasn't uh you know per se more arab to put, for lack of a better term um so you know with my white friends i would you know casually just introduce them to arab culture you know i would take them to an arab restaurant one day you know would would go get a shawarma or you know like some falafel or hummus and you know they they'd all love it you know and my friends they still call me to this day and they you know they they're talking about hey you know i just went to this you know i just went to the spot you know we used to go to in high school and i just got chicken shawarma like i had to put my people on and i was like yeah man like definitely like i, I love that you're enjoying my you know our culture i'm glad i got to share it with you so again like i was i was definitely like not not to say embarrassed it was it was difficult to kind of relate to my white friends in high school to to you know my different kind of groups of friends in high school that that you know hey I'm from a different part of the world but you know I could definitely introduce you to some of my culture you know we're not what you see on the TV we're not you know this or that we're not we don't fit into any kind of predefined one label Yeah I mean I love to hear that because um because I can definitely relate but at the same time I kind of want to ask you a question and um you know it is a bit more real so if you don't feel comfortable answering no problem but 
did you ever feel that, you know, given how there's a certain perception of like, you know, being Arab and, and also being Muslim, did you ever feel that there was a little bit of a burden on you to um, have to explain or have to be that example of we're not all like that? Yeah, of course. I think every every Muslim in America has, I feel like every Arab in America has had that come up at one point in their life. It's It's almost become an experience, a common experience for us all. And I mean, again, like I said, like I, w- I had a big disconnect in, in my culture growing up, you know, when I was, especially when I was younger. Um, the first time I got introduced to that kind of idea where, you know, people think Arabs are the enemies was in middle school when, you know, uh, this kid called me a terrorist. And, you know, I, I was naive and I was young and I was, you know, new to this whole thing. And I was like, why do you call me a terrorist? And, you know, my friend explained to me, he was like, oh, he's probably just trying to pull your chain and, you know, just, you know, attack you and all that stuff. And I was like, well, why, though? And he was like, well, you know, 9-11. And I was like, 9 what? Like, I'd never, like, willingly, like, went out of my way to search up what 9-11 was. I, you know, I was three years old when it happened. Um, so I, I don't remember it growing up. And then, you know, I, I kind of went home that day and I got up on computer and I, I searched 9-11 and I searched everything that happened and I was like what the heck is going on so I was like you know just very very kind of disheartened with that and that's kind of like when I kind of you know started to want to learn more about my culture figure out who we were as people you know and see what was going on and why why he had this such a disgusting preconceived notion about me already you know, even if it wasn't, you know, he was just trying to, you know, make a quick, uh, you know, funny joke, or if he was just trying to, you know, get a rise out of me or whatnot, I, I had to know everything there was about it. So I definitely did my research and, you know, I was more informed the next day, you know, that if it happened again, you know, I'd be, you know, able to defend myself and, you know, call him something back or, you know, have an effective dialogue about it. But yeah, I mean, it, I was introduced to that entire idea of 9-11 and terrorism and you know, Arabs are bad and, you know, white people are going to Iraq to liberate it in, in middle school, which was like, it sucked. Like, definitely, you know, I had to live with that stigma, um, you know, to this day that some people just still don't like Arabs. And, you know, as we're recording this podcast, um, you know, we, we heard about a tragic event that happened in uh, Ontario today where a Muslim family was, you know, run down by just this guy in a speeding car, you know, that, that they're saying that it was a targeted incident, that um, a targeted attack, rather, that, uh, you know, he saw them, they were Muslim, and he wanted to, you know, kill them. You know, he just had such a preconceived notion that Muslims were all evil, you know, um, he, you know, and it just, it just sucks, you know, it definitely having to deal with that you know and, I, and like i said before every every muslim has to have to deal with this at one point in their life and you know for me that that was in my later years which uh again like kind of sucked you know i had to start from the ground up and learn all about that yeah absolutely and and that particular incident is um it's actually so disheartening uh because that family was just out for a walk um, and, you know, ju- just to have your sense of safety shattered um, in in the span of, you know, basically a second. You know, 
you're absolutely right, Jamil, because, you know, me being a Muslim as well, I I feel a certain sort of pain at, at hearing that, you know, especially since it was a targeted attack and um, since it was definitely stemming from, um, you know, an, an Islamophobic sentiment um, and, and, and then that was the action. So I can totally relate to everything that you've said. And thank you so much for sharing about um, specifically about how how sometimes that can feel a bit burdening um, because I can relate to that as well. I think that uh, my experience was definitely more on the side of, I mean, you know, I actually remember that one time I was just in high school and then someone made a comment about Apu from The Simpsons and they actually made it to me about someone else. Just because you say it to me doesn't necessarily make it okay overall, right? And it doesn't give you a pass because, oh, well, well, you have that one brown friend, right? So just little things like that growing up, I definitely felt a little bit of a, like a little bit of a burden as well because I couldn't see the um, banter as just banter sometimes. When you were not hanging out with people of your culture or like when you were not hanging out with Palestinian Americans and especially growing up, you know, where you did, what are some things that you have heard over the years that you maybe dismissed at the time, but now thinking back would be microaggressions or just things that you now looking back might think that they're actually probably racist? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll always remember it because at the time, I like you said, I dismissed it. And I was in middle school and I was in woodshop class. And there was a sign on, um, it was almost like a seeing, seeing like vision test sign, right? And uh, at the time I had, I, my vision was not that good. I, you know, I had glasses and all that. So I took out my glasses, tried to read it. You know, we all, we're, we're all, you know, all buddies just kind of standing around and reading it. And there was this one, one dude that, you know, I didn't really like him. Uh, I knew he definitely didn't like me, but, you know, we never really addressed why, why we didn't like each other. Anyways, um. You know, I was telling my friends because my dad always used to make fun of me because he, he, you know, he saw my glasses. He's like, wow, how thick are those glasses going to get and all that stuff. And so I I always remembered my, you know, I still remember my dad as having, you know, extremely good vision. Even now, today, he still has extremely good vision even as he gets older. And so I, I casually mentioned, to you know, to my friends, I was like, man, my dad could probably read it from all the way back there. You know, this room was about 20 meters, um, you know, from where we we're standing to the sign. I was like, you know, he, he could probably read it from that 20 meter mark and, you know, get perfect vision all across the board. And, then, you know, this white kid looks at me and he's like, Jamil, who even is your dad? Like, you know, and I, I kind of thought about it for a second and I was like, oh, I mean, like, you know, it's such an odd question because, like, nobody really asked that. But, like, I, for, for, for a second... I was like, oh, my dad, uh, he, he's an engineer. And, um, after I, you know, I didn't really give any thought about it after that. And then I kind of realized, you know, later on in, in my life, I was like, why do you ask that question? Like, that was a really odd question. That was a really stupid question, you know. Um, and I kind of thought that, you know, he thought that maybe my dad was a terrorist and that he wasn't around or he still lived in the Middle East or anything like that. And I was just kind of like sitting there like dumbfounded. I was like, that was a really stupid remark that I let him get away with. And, you know, had he said it today, you know, it would have been a whole different story of how that situation would have went down. 
And, you know, I still look back at it and I still remember it to this day. And, you know, it makes me mad to even think about it. And I don't know if I'm overreacting or if I'm thinking about it in a different way. Or, you know, maybe I might have a different kind of perception because, you know, again, I didn't inquire about his, you know, reasoning uh, about why he asked the question, um, you know, at the time. So I might be just looking at it from a really, you know, narrow perspective or w what his reasonings were to ask that question. But, yeah, that, that definitely was the remark that just like never went away from my head. And, uh, you know, that happened uh, when I was maybe about 14 years old and, you know, nine years later uh you know i still remember it oh my goodness thank you so much for sharing that and yes that is exactly what i mean these these sort of little comments that you know you actually just remember years later something similar happened to me and um it actually wasn't that long ago which is kind of the, the sad part but i was um i was vacationing somewhere in the states and uh and, and i was just walking through a coffee shop and there were three people that were a bit elderly sitting um at a table and and the lady just kind of grabs my hand and she's like and she's like see see and then then she just looked at me and she's and, and she asked me you know point blank where are you from and i was just like oh well i'm from canada um, but originally I'm from Pakistan. And then um, she actually turned to her companions and went, see, some of them are pretty. In that moment, I was gobsmacked because, and I just remember being shocked out of my system. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to react. So I just walked away. I still remember it to this day because, you know, the next few days in the shower, especially, I was just like, oh, I could have said this. I could have said that. I could have, you know, responded this way or that way. But it was just such an odd experience to to kind of have happen, right? Um, where it was just very clear that it was actually about my my race. And it was a very direct sort of thing like you know to this day i'm like were they just talking about south asian people and then she just saw me and she assumed i was south asian or whatever and then just decided to ask me and thought it was okay but yes it was it was it was pretty uh unnerving i would say definitely i mean you know as muslims uh hindsight is always twenty twenty. when when thinking of uh, something we could have said to somebody when that when that sort of situation happens to us so 100% I understand, you know, when you said, you know, you, you're thinking about it, you know, a day later, a couple of days later, you know, what you could have said. And your 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 situation is more uh, obvious rather than mine was a little bit more subtle and required me to, you know, think about it. But that was, that's a real shocker. You know, sometimes, you know, people are just, for lack of a better word, stupid. They just have no, no no regard for anybody else but themselves and they, they just look to get the quickest laugh out of them and them friends and you know there's nothing to it you know such a disgusting remark such a such a low 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 level remark I'm, I'm i'm sitting here shocked like i'm in my apartment i'm shocked at just hearing that yeah absolutely i mean um definitely there have been more subtle situations as well but but that i think to this day that one just stands out in my head i've never experienced anything like that before you know um so i was just shocked it it, it, it and and i was actually on you know 
like like the, the guy was on vacation at the time so like it was meant to be something that was a good time but I do remember kind of even like you know having that kind of be with me um and it kind of soured some of the remaining trip because it was in that same place and then I just remember being like oh like like you know people like that exist here so it did color my perception of that particular city in the states but uh but yes, it was uh, it was a pretty intense experience. But another really odd one was, you know, when you're going on a road trip and then there's those like service stations. So basically, I was at one of those somewhere in, I think, Michigan, and I was just washing my hands. And then, you know how the taps sometimes don't work in public washrooms? And so this lady, she's just watching me because I'm like testing out a few. And then I just finally got like one of them to work. And she goes, you know, when they made these lasers, they actually specifically so that it picked up on the lighter skin first. That's why it's not working for you. To a complete stranger, what is your motivation in saying that, right? Maybe it's true. I mean, I never actually have Googled, but I imagine it's just a motion sensor that actually works based on movement. But whatever it is, it's just a really odd thing to kind of say to someone. Has anything odd happened in your adult life that is just something you're like gobsmacked about no to be quite honest with you but i'd also like to say that that's because you know i'm i'm more kind of careful nowadays especially after 2016 and we we all see that the the violence that you know donald trump has inspired uh i try try to draw as you know minimal attention to myself as possible the moment in my life when i realized that that uh, a, a lot of Americans don't really like Muslims. And that moment hit for me on February 10th, 2015. And I remember that day. I'll always remember it. And it was the day that, that uh, three Arab youths were, were gunned down in their own home in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And it was such a shocker to the world. What we got in response to it was that it was a parking dispute. That that was a a blatant hate crime blatant hate violence, um, you know, and even to remember it is, you know, just, it, it's a tragedy. It sucks that it happened. Like, it, it's terrible. And that, and from that moment on, you know, I, I kind of, like, you know, I have to be careful in public. You know, I don't want to let people know I'm Muslim. Uh, even at work, I don't want to let people know I'm Muslim. I kind of keep that to myself. Yeah, no, I can certainly relate to that. I mean, that that kind of goes back to our discussion of um, feeling a burden, right? Of do we choose this moment to educate that, you know, we actually are from there, but we're not all the same and we are different and we are really like this? Or do we just kind of sometimes choose not to do that and kind of just try to fit in? And I mean, that is a struggle that, you know has been there for like I would say forever for me and it's just now it's just starting to feel in the last few years where I just feel kind of a balance in terms of okay well how what parts of my identity have I chosen to kind of embrace and just project right so so I completely understand um where you're coming from Jamil and and I think that it is such an important thing to even just bring up and discuss discussing exactly what happened today uh, here in Canada, in you know, London, Ontario, that was also an, an Islamophobic attack. And then, 
you're actually talking about 2015. And then so then you kind of draw the line and you're like, well, between that time and between today, um, what really has changed in terms of the experience and in terms of feeling more comfortable in your skin and in terms of, you know, being able to be who you are? Even reading about the, the attack that happened in Ontario today. You know, the only the only person left behind was I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he was nine years old, and that's the only only survivor left of that family. I mean, it breaks my heart on so many levels, right? Uh, it it is a kid just losing all of his family in like one swoop when COVID has been such a difficult situation already, and then it's also as a Muslim, just knowing that that could have been my family. I of course know people that you know dress in a manner that would in a second identify them as muslim so so yeah it, it it just kind of hurts and it is a bit scary just knowing that okay well that really very easily could have been someone that i knew or there is a sort of desensitization a little bit of a survival instinct where you're kind of having to go on with your life there's just a lot of intolerance in this world and a lot of feelings of not being accepted and actually hated and I do appreciate that, you know, you and I are kind of having this uh, conversation, which tying it back to our general topic, it is um, definitely a big part of growing up in diaspora and kind of dealing with the culture shock and, uh, and, and, and essentially the duality of our experiences growing up here, um, you know, belonging to multiple identities. And I think that is a big part of who we are as people it is a big part of how how it shapes our well-being and also our development right um and just uh, how how it leads to feelings of belonging i i think that if i were to you know quantify my whole experience or my, my, basically my whole childhood it kind of being in the situation that I was, which was, you know, being of a different culture and then uh, a different religion a, a lot of the times and then having a family that was a lot of different cultures, which was awesome, by the way. Can you just imagine the food? I think that if I were to quantify that into one sentence, that whole experience, it would be um, wanting to belong, right? Um, and And that means wanting to belong anywhere at the end of the day just finding that feeling of home when you're connecting with people which which was very hard for me to do growing up what would you quantify your experience as if, if you had to pick a sentence honestly uh there's there's always this poem i like to bring up when people ask me about that kind of thing and it's one of my most favorite poems and uh, it's well it's transliterated from arabic into english and um, and it goes something like this, and it's by Mahmoud Darwish, which is a famous Palestinian poet. And uh, in his life, he was exiled from his homeland into various different countries, and you know, finally ending up in the United States in the later years of his life. And um, he goes, I am from there, I am from here. I am not there, and I'm not here. I have two names which meet in part, and I have two languages. I forget which of them I dream in. And that that poem has always been super profound for me. It's it's it kind of it, I feel like it sums up my experience being a diaspora Arab in America, diaspora Palestinian, um, you know, out here. 
you know, not able to return to my homeland as easily as, you know, as I would like to have it be. And, um, you know, not being able to connect with my cultural culture on a visceral level, um, you know, as other other groups of people are able to do. So really that 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 sentiment sums up my that that poem really sums up my experience. Thank you so much for sharing that, Jamil, because I think that that's a beautiful way to, uh, you know, define how this experience is. Um, It is unique and so relatable at the same time. So I really, really appreciate you actually sharing that poem with us. As I was hearing you recite it, I was just um, kind of blown away because because that is exactly what the experience is like. I will definitely like to thank you for joining us here today. This was a beautiful discussion. Thank you for sharing your insights and your experiences. Thank you so much for having me on. And, you know, right before I'd like to go, I'd like to just leave a final message, you know, for, for those Muslim youth in America, for those Arab and Palestinian youth in America that feel like they don't belong. Um, you know, if, I wish I had somebody to tell me this when I was younger. And basically, I want to tell you guys, you know, be resolute in your, in your, in your, your faith. Be resolute in everything you do. Um, be strong and, you know, don't waver in the face of adversity, even when it's hard. And I know it can get, you know, miserable and I know, I know it could definitely feel like that. And so just again, be, 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 be resolute in everything you do and and never waver against what you, what you believe in, because it's not worth it at the end of the day. I think that that is a beautiful message. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you for tuning into episode three of the Today I Learned podcast. Jamil and I discussed growing up in North America and being of Palestinian and Pakistani heritage, and of course, being Muslim and all that that entails. You can find this podcast streaming on all major platforms, and you can also find us on Instagram and Clubhouse.